Please be seated. An appropriate song to lead us into a time where we're talking about worship this morning. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are here to worship you. We worship you in song and in word. We open the word this morning and ask you to lead us in worship. Lead us into this time of discovery. Reveal yourself to us and through us. And uh, Lord, just illuminate your word. Let it speak to us this morning. And allow us to be transformed more into your image. We give you glory. And may you be blessed in what we share. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So what are the deepest values that you hold in your heart? What makes your heart sing? What are the beliefs that drive you to do what you do and to be who you are? We talked the uh, last couple of weeks about thinking about that as maybe your operating system. If you were a computer, we'd say, you know what, OS, what operating system are you running on? Well, well this is what we're talking about, the things that drive us and shape who we are and what we do. We're in a series about core values today and, and uh, for the next little while. And uh, as a church and as part of the Brethren in Christ Church, which is both here in the United States and around the world, we share certain values. And uh, they're a part of our identity. They're a big part of how we live for Jesus. And we share core values as Christians who are invested in following God's word. We're in week three this morning in our series. We've looked at core value number one, which was we value experiencing God's love and grace, which is to say that we value the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ and the transforming power of his Holy Spirit. In order to experience God's love and grace, you need to come into a relationship with God through Jesus, through faith. That's number one. Number two, the core value that we did last week was believing in the Bible. Uh, we value the Bible as God's authoritative word, study it together, and build our lives on its truth. We know that all Scripture is God-breathed. It's God's special revelation to us. And Scripture reveals who God is and teaches us how to live as God intends for us to live our lives, right? And, and as we read it, and as we live it out, it transforms us so that we become more like Jesus in character. Well, today we're on focus, focusing on core value number three. Number three is about worshiping God. And, and here's what we say about worshiping God. We value heartfelt worship that is God-honoring, spirit-directed, and life-changing. And I want to look at the three parts of this today. The worship is God-honoring that it is spirit-directed, and that it is life-changing. And I want to do that through the eyes of Scripture. And here's where we're going to go this morning. Romans uh, chapter 12 and verse 1, which says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper or acceptable worship. So what's a living sacrifice? Well, it's different than a dead one, I guess. How does it relate to worship that honors God? 
How does it relate to being spirit-directed or life-changing? Like, how does worship work in that way? And how does being a living sacrifice work together with that? Well, let's take a look. First of all, worship that is God-honoring. Um, St. Augustine said, You made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And, uh, you know, we were created for God, to bring God glory. We're created to worship God. And it, it's kind of hardwired into human beings. Um, I, I did a lot of reading when I was in college about uh, cultural anthropology and, and how anthropologists all over the world discovered in virtually every culture that they encountered that there was always this need to worship, to worship someone or something. It's a universal thing that's hardwired into us. We believe it's that way because God made us that way. Um, in the 17th century, uh, the scientist and philosopher Blaise Pascal said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. There is this hole that we long to fill. And it's a longing that can't be satisfied by any created thing, only by God the Creator through Jesus. If you do not invite God to fill that empty place, you're going to carry that emptiness for the rest of your life. And you'll spend your whole life, you'll, you'll be trying to fill it with all kinds of things, all kinds of people. And, and I'm not just talking about the cliche, sex and drugs and rock and roll. Husbands and wives do this all the time. We try to make our spouse a stand-in for God. The wants and the needs and things that should be fulfilled by God get projected onto our spouse. And you know, no husband and no wife can fulfill everything you want. It's just not possible. He or she was not created to do that. If that's what's happening in your marriage, then your marriage might be in a little bit of trouble. You might need to do some work on that, to refocus. When both in a relationship like that are focused on God through Jesus, then we have a much better chance of success. When our eyes are only on each other and our eyes are taken away from God, we begin to lose the proper focus, the focus that God has given us. You know, we may not see that scenario as a worship scenario, but, you know, if we put our spouse in the place of God, that's a form of idolatry. But God says, you can trust me with those things. Come unto me. Come unto me. He says, I created you. And you won't find any satisfaction in life until you find your place with me. I will fill your empty places. And the same is true of a host of all kinds of other things, right? I mean, think of our work can take that place, sports, money, you name it. You know, there are all kinds of things in life that we can allow to take the place of God. And anytime any of those things starts to take the place of God in our life, we're moving out of fellowship with God. Worship that honors God 
is about who? It's about God, isn't it? It has to be focused on God. You know, sometimes I think that that other worship, um, I, I think we sometimes drag it with us into the church. We, we give it different names, but it's still fairly me-centered. And uh, how easy is it to get centered on the wrong things on a Sunday morning when we come in to worship together? It's easy to get obsessed and distressed with things like where we sit. Who's that sitting in my seat? That's where I always sit. And the songs we sing. Well, that's not my favorite song. And the scriptures we read. Oh, man, we read that two weeks ago. And the sermon preached. I won't even start. <laughs> You can complain about the temperature of the room, the loudness of the worship band. It is easy to make worship about us. So easy. You know, there are times I come in here on a Sunday morning, I'll be standing over there. I stand over there. If you ever notice, I stand over there. There's a reason I stand over there. My wife directs me to stand over there so that my shiny bald head doesn't show up on camera. <laughs> <laughs> but as I'm standing over there and I'm worshiping God on some Sunday mornings, I have to stop myself because my mind's a million miles away. And I'm not really present. I'm not really here. And I have to go to God and say, Lord, forgive me. And, and I need your help to get my mind off myself and get my focus on you. So please help me keep my eyes on you. And you know, every time I pray that prayer, within a few moments or two, my focus has changed. And now I'm focused in the way that I should be focused. Now I'm experiencing God. You know, you find yourself sitting there and you're not experiencing God. Maybe you ought to pray that prayer too and, and see where God takes you. Because he can take us into a very intimate experience with him if we're willing and if we open ourselves to it. Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever had to pray like that? So I'm not the only one. That's a, that's a good thing. Well, I think we want to honor God, but I think we're just not always good at it. You know? We have the desire, kind of like the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. I've been thrilled to see how many of you joined in helping us to build our music library through this, this Go Fund a Song campaign that we've been doing. Um, we're making a shift in the way that we do music to allow us to, to go further, to go to different places in our worship times. And, and so that means that we're replacing our entire music catalog. And, and a lot of you have invested, you've, you've you know, bought your favorite songs so that you know, we have them when we start singing. Um, it's going to be really hard to get everybody's favorite song in the first week when we first do that. <laughs> we'll be here a couple hours at least. <laughs> but it's going to be fun when it changes over. And that, that might be towards the end of the year or the beginning of the next year. But, but this new system will help us to worship. And, and I looked at that list and I'm looking at it and there are some songs in there that I just love singing. You know, When I sing those songs, they make me feel happy. Do you have songs like that? You know, they make you feel happy when you sing them, um, especially when I find one in my vocal range. Uh, my vocal range is a little bit all over the place. It's uh, kind of a, a medium-high, low tenor with a generous helping of bass and no soprano, but maybe a touch of alto. You know, it's, it's all over the road. And so when I find a song that I can sing, 
I love to sing. And I'm singing um, songs like It Is Well With My Soul. Oh, that's one of my favorites. It's on my funeral list, right? <laughs> and Oh For a Thousand Tongues by Wesley. Man, I sing that song and it's just like... And I could sing all 14 verses or whatever there are. There's, there's like so many verses of that song. We only ever normally sing about four of them. The Revelation song, we sang that last Sunday. Man, that song, oh, it, it just gets me going. And it's not just because I can sing them because they're in my range, whatever that is, or that they make me feel good. It's because they help me worship with my whole heart. There are some pieces of music that do that, you know? They help me, they assist me in worshiping with my whole heart. But, you know, I should sing with my whole heart, even when a song isn't my favorite, and not when it's in my perfect range, whatever that is. And I should be singing it, not to myself and for my benefit, but I should be singing it to God and for God's benefit. You know, I, I get the impression sometimes, you know, people come in on a Sunday morning and they sit down and they cross their arms and they go, okay, impress me. <laughs> and I want to tell you something. I think God is sitting back in his lazy boy and he's got his arms crossed and he's looking down and he says, okay, impress me with your heart. You know? We say we value heartfelt worship that is God-honoring. Paul told the, told the Roman church, offer your bodies as living sacrifice. Now, that's a huge turnaround for Paul. I mean, when you really think about it, it's kind of ironic because here's Paul. He's a Pharisee, son of a Pharisee. He, he spent most of his life focused on the law, which is a system filled with dead sacrifices. And then he turns around and he says, in Christ, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. You know, in the new covenant, which is purchased by and sealed in Jesus' blood, Jesus made the sacrifice once and for all. No animal sacrifices in the temple are required anymore. And the sacrifice that we give when we come to worship is we give ourselves in response to that sacrifice that Jesus made. Paul says, offer your bodies. Well, you have to know that the word here for body, it's, it's not the word for flesh. There's another word for that. It's a separate word. The body word here means the whole thing, inside and out, spirit and soul and physical body, the entire thing that is you. You know, the Jews didn't have this habit of separating the spiritual from the physical. You know, we get that from the Greeks and from others. Um, but, but to the Jew, to offer your body was to, to give everything, everything that you are. That's the living sacrifice that we're talking about here this morning. Well, we value worship that is spirit-directed. What does that mean? <laughs> that sounds like a trap. As soon as you start asking people, that could be an argument. Because it means different things to different people sometimes. 
But what does it mean to be spirit-directed? We often use the word spirit-led. I worked in a Christian bookstore for a short bit between assignments before I came here, after I left Paxton and before I came here. And, and um, I, I was always fascinated by the number of Bibles on the shelf. You know, you go down and you read the different titles. You know, it's like uh, uh, the, the real man's Bible, you know, the sort of man's Bible, the woman's Bible, the spirit-filled Bible. That was my favorite the Spirit-Filled Bible. I always wondered, what made this Bible, which is the same Bible as this Bible with a different cover, <clears throat> what made this one the Spirit-Filled Bible, but this one not the Spirit-Filled Bible? It's like, okay, there's a problem there. And, and the problem is our perspective, isn't it? What does Spirit-led mean? You know, when we say that Spirit-led, Sometimes sounds hyper-spiritual, like, I've got something that you haven't got. I hear it come across that way sometimes. Hope it doesn't come across for me like that, but maybe it does. Or maybe it sounds like something kind of hooky-spooky, you know? Uh, someone in the middle of the worship is going to stand up and start doing crazy things under the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to notice something, is that our chandeliers are too high to get a hold of, so you can't really swing on them in here, you know, just, just telling you that. And you know, God is not going to make you do something weird against your will just because you surrendered your will to him. You know, like when I was an immature Christian, I, I was always nervous about the whole idea of surrendering everything to God and giving him everything because I was absolutely for sure he was going to make me go and be a missionary in Africa. Well, at least one of us, have, two of us have had that feeling. So. <laughs> but you know, we have this fear of letting go and letting God have everything. We're afraid that he's going to do weird stuff to us or with us. And you know, that's not the way God operates. If God wants you to go somewhere, if he calls you to, to serve wherever, he's going to change your heart about that. And he's going to bring you into agreement with his heart. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Everyone. It was given to you at new birth. When you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. And, and it's been like that from the time of the book of Acts onwards. And so you as a Christian live every day with the Holy Spirit inside of you. He's already in your life. So the spirit-led person is to be spirit-led is to let the person of the Holy Spirit who's already in your life guide and direct your life. How does that work? Well, we're back to the living sacrifices thing again, aren't we? <laughs> Being spirit-led involves yielding our will and our desires to the Holy Spirit actively seeking his guidance in making decisions, relying on his power and wisdom to help you to live according to God's will. So how does that work in worship? Well, it starts before worship. Worship starts before worship. It starts in your private worship of God. 
That's when we learn to start listening for the Holy Spirit. Usually, He doesn't get your attention with trumpets and cymbals. He gets your attention with that still, small voice. And you get that prompting, that, that feeling that you need to, to look at something that He's directing you to, or to read something, or to do something, or often to be something for Jesus. You know, and sometimes you're reading your Bible and you have that experience and God sort of says, here, let me show you something. And by his spirit, he illuminates a text so that it, you have one of these aha moments as you're reading. And you know, sometimes you're in prayer and the Holy Spirit says to you, here's a sin you have to deal with in your life. But if you give it to me, let me have it all the way. I'll bring healing and forgiveness, and I will restore righteousness. You know, sometimes we get those promptings from the Spirit. Sometimes He prompts you to love and to have compassion for the poor, or to pray for the persecuted Christians, or to take on friendship with somebody who needs a friend. You know, the Holy Spirit can direct us in so many different ways. But don't expect to come here on a Sunday morning and experience spirit-led worship if you haven't been letting him lead you the rest of the time. Because it's not going to happen. It's not about who's up here leading. You know, we, we pray for and we sometimes experience these great movings of God. But when you come into worship and you've already been led by the Spirit of God through the week, and you come into worship on Sunday morning, I guarantee you, your worship experience is going to be different. And you will far more experience God's intimacy when that's the case than when you come unprepared. The scriptures I'm using today, Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy and and Mercy there means God's tender love. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true act, your true and proper worship. The word holy means to be set apart. Now, I've seen these kicking around. Somebody must have had a wedding, and you know, they left these signs that say reserved. You know, we could hang that around our neck in terms of, God anyway, because being holy, the idea of holiness is not the idea of being, you know, pure and perfect all the time. The idea is about being set apart, being reserved for God's use. And we need to come into worship time reserved for God's use, set apart for him. And we can do that in prayer. We can do that. We can have people pray with us in that process of growing in discipleship. Let me show you something, and I, I don't know if you notice this, but at the beginning of this verse that I have up here, there's a word. The word is therefore. Now, I, I hope over the years the people who taught you and discipled you taught you that you need to do something when you see that word. What do we do when we see that word? 
You find out what it's there for. That's exactly right. We find out what came before it. So if you have your Bibles open this morning, I want you to turn back to chapter 11 in the book of Romans. And we're going to start at verse 33, and there's this beautiful doxology. There's this beautiful piece of praise to God. And, and I'm going to read it, and then I'll put the last part of it up here on the screen. But just listen to the first part. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? Now here's the part I'm going to put up. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, and there's no breaks in the original writing of the scripture. There's no chapter breaks. There's no verse breaks. One flows directly into the other. So from here, therefore, all things come from God and through him and were created for him. Therefore, in, I, in, in, in view of God's tender love, offer your bodies, your whole selves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true act of worship. See, all that beautiful praise flows into this part. All that beautiful praise is us preparing ourselves for this part, for the living sacrifice part. Hebrews 13 and 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And whether you're in private worship, you're at home and, and uh, in your prayer closet um, or your prayer dining room or backyard or wherever you pray, um, when you're alone at home or here, the Spirit, if we allow Him to, will lead us to understand more of who God is and what God has done. And in response to that, praise naturally comes out of us we want to praise his name we see the beauty of God we see the beauty of his love and all the things that we read about God and and that praise is there we want to praise God it, it just wants to come out we want to honor him we profess his name and you know when we acknowledge just how big God is we can't help but praise him and worship him more deeply with our whole selves. You know, as we open ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and as we let him lead us, we will experience more of that deeper relationship with God that we're seeking. You know, you look at somebody and you go, wow, that person just has an intense relationship with God. They just, they're just so deep with their relationship with God. And Man, I wish my relationship was like that. Your relationship can be like that. It's yours for the asking. It's yours for the doing. Especially in worship. You know, when, 
when we come in here ready to receive, when we are all prayed up, when we are, have been led by the Holy Spirit through the week, and we come in here on a Sunday morning and we gather together with other people who are all prayed up and who have been led by the Holy Spirit through the week, and we get together and we sit down, that's when God does the neat stuff. And often it'll be on those Sundays when God throws a curveball, <laughs> you know? I'll be in the middle of a sermon and then I'll be prompted to go somewhere I wasn't planning to go because the Holy Spirit says, okay, you need to, that's good, glad what you did there, but here, I got something over here I need you to say. Or that's when we, you know, feel prompted to share a certain scripture that God laid on your heart. Sometimes you see that happens with our worship leaders. You know, they'll, they'll feel prompted to share something that God has shared with them. And they'll share that with us. Or, or a response at the end of service that wasn't planned. And, and God is moving and something happens. And that doesn't happen unless we come prepared and ready to receive. We have to listen for what the Holy Spirit is saying. And then we have to follow his leading. Okay, I want to get to the last point here. We value heartfelt worship that is God-honoring, spirit-directed, and life-changing. Romans 12:1 says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, some translations say present your bodies, uh, but the, it carries the idea of giving a gift, giving an offering. You know, think of, you know, making an offering and and this is a very deliberate act of surrendering and giving. This isn't a passive thing. This isn't something you sit around and let happen to you. You know, like sometimes I think that's the thing. Like I was saying earlier, that it's kind of like we come in expecting to be impressed or to be entertained or to be dazzled or whatever. And, and that's being passive. This is a very active thing. Present your bodies. Present your whole self deliberately. It's an active choice. And you know, what we present, what we offer to God, God will receive, and he will change. Now, you may have noticed that the first three of our core values that we've done over the last three weeks, um, each one of them ends with transformation. That's on purpose. Salvation changes us. Believing in the Bible and learning to live it out transforms us. And our worship of God, when we give our whole hearts, changes us. Transformation in all three. If our faith in Jesus doesn't change us, there's a problem. And it's a problem that starts with our heart. And sometimes it's played out in our worship with half-hearted sacrifice we're only half in it our head's not in the game our heart's not in the game you know maybe we come in and well we're going to give ourselves we're going to offer ourselves but we do it sometimes for the wrong reason we do it because that kind of transactionally you know if i give god this he'll give me that you know we do it to get something in return but that's not it that's not what we're talking about here. That's not what the scripture is talking about here. In worship, we're making an offering of ourselves to God because he is worthy, because he's God. 
And in the presence of God, we get, begin to change and we start bearing that spiritual fruit. You know, I've said many times that, that you know, if you looking at spiritual gifts, it says actively pursue the spiritual gifts. If you read the passage in Galatians 5 about the spiritual fruit, it doesn't say go after this one or go after that one. It says you keep in step with the Spirit and God will produce in you this. This is what it looks like when you're living for God. You know, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the more Christ-like we become, the more effective we will be for Jesus. Effective in following his will and effective in fulfilling his purposes in the world, the reason we were called. True worship involves not just external rituals, but a heartfelt commitment to live in a way that's pleasing to God. And by offering ourselves as living sacrifices, we acknowledge God's mercy and we respond to it with gratitude and with love. When we make an offering of ourselves in this way, when we worship, it will be God-honoring, it will be spirit-led, and it will be life-changing. Old adage, you get out of it what you put into it, right? If you put your whole heart into it, this is what happens. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, receive our offering now. As we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, may we be holy, set apart for you, reserved for you, and pleasing to you. And may our worship be true and proper. And may we bring you glory as you intended when you created us. We submit our lives to you. And we do so in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.